If the iron be blunt, and he do not wet the edge, then must he put to more strength. Good evening and welcome back to the Biblical Principles Podcast. We're going to jump right into your questions today. I do want to thank you to all those that have sent in questions. And if you have a question, you can submit that to us there, biblicalprinciples at juno.com. That's all lowercase letters, biblicalprinciples at juno.com. The book of Matthew, chapter number 27. The book of Matthew, chapter number 27. This is our first question for today. Why did Jesus refuse the vinegar mingled with gall in Matthew 27? I'll read it through one more time. Why did Jesus refuse the vinegar mingled with gall in Matthew 27? All right, let's go over to the book of Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to find our place there in verse number 33. Matthew 27, verse number 33. The Bible says, And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. Of course, this is pre-crucifixion. He has not had the nails in his hands and in his feet yet. He has just been led to the hill, and right before they're crucifying him, they're offering him this, basically a concoction of vinegar and gall. Now, of course, this concoction was nothing more than a painkiller. It was kind of meant to to stupefy the victim, understanding that many people in that day were crucified, and it was a a brutal process. But in order to be able to get the victim calmed down a little bit, they would they would give them this concoction, and it was basically meant, like we said, as a painkiller. And what it would do was stupefy the victim while they received the nails in their hands and in their feet. Now, the reason for this, I'm not really 100% sure, other than just maybe possibly they were just having mercy on the man or the woman that was about to be crucified. Of course, Jesus refused this concoction because he wanted to remain completely conscious during the crucifixion. He was bearing the sins of the whole world. He was paying the sin debt, and he was not going to allow that to be a process that was tainted, but it was going to be a pure process. Maybe a couple ways or a couple thoughts on why he might have done that. Number one, it was a testimony to the soldiers. No doubt, I believe that those soldiers had crucified many people, and they um, they had never seen anyone refuse that concoction. And also, I believe it was a testimony to the thief on the cross, who Christ would later save while he was hanging on the cross. Because the reason that they saw something different in Jesus was because there was something different in Jesus. So what was the purpose of refusing it? Well, because it was a painkiller, and he did not want to be tainted by anything as he bore our sin debt. And also, I personally believe it was a testimony not just to the soldiers and to the thief on the cross, but to everybody that was watching him. Now, let's turn over to the book of John, chapter number 19, for our second question. The book of John, chapter number 19, for our second question. All right, our second question is this. What is the importance of a bone of him shall not be broken 
in John 19, 36. Read it through one more time for clarity. What is the importance of a bone of him shall not be broken in John nineteen thirty six? Let's read John nineteen thirty six. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. All right, we understand just from that verse that it was a purpose for fulfilling scripture. Let's go to the book of Psalms, chapter number 34, in verse number 20. The book of Psalm, chapter 34, in verse number 20. The Bible says, He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Of course, this is a psalm, a prophetic psalm about the Savior dying on the cross, and the Bible says that not one of his bones will be broken. Then let's go over to the book of Exodus chapter 12 in verse number 46. The book of Exodus chapter 12 in verse number 46. In one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth all of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall ye break a bone thereof. Of course, this is talking about the Passover lamb, which was a type of Christ, and that they were instructed after they had killed this Passover and eaten it, not to break any of the bones thereof. The book of Numbers, chapter 9 and verse number 12. The book of Numbers, chapter 9 and verse number 12. They shall not leave none of it unto the morning, nor break any bone of it. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. So Christ was our Passover lamb. He was the one slain for our sins. He was the burden bearer, just as this lamb was a, was a type of Christ and was slain for the sins of the people. His bones were not to be pro- broken. So as we read there in the book of John chapter 19, it talks about fulfilling the scriptures. The scriptures are very clear that the Passover lamb did not have a bone broken. The book of Psalms 34 is also very clear that the suffering Savior will not have a bone broken. And then the book of John chapter 19 in verse number 30. The book of John chapter 19 in verse number 30. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for the Sabbath day was an high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. Verse 33. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. There's an understanding here that the crucifixion was not a process of death real quick. And what was happening was the next day was the preparation day. And they did not want those bodies hanging on the cross on the preparation day. Now, there was one way that was very quick to kill a man or woman that was being crucified. And what they do is they would run a pole in between the leg and the bottom beam of the cross, and they would walk that pole around to the backside, and that would break the leg at the knee. Then they'd do the other, th- the other leg the same way. The only way to remain conscience, conscious on the cross was to keep pushing up with your legs to get a breath of air. So when they could not push up anymore, they would suffocate. Jesus gave up the ghost 
and he dismissed his spirit. So there was no reason to break his legs. This was a serious problem, I can promise you, for the soldiers who had crucified hundreds of people and had never seen someone die so early. The reason that they didn't break his legs was because he dismissed his own spirit, but also to fulfill the scriptures. God the Father knew as he wrote down the Bible through inspiration of the Holy Ghost that Jesus would dismiss his spirit and there would be no reason to break his legs. It, all, it was very important that that, as well as all the other scriptures about Christ, were fulfilled to prove that he was the Messiah. And then question number three, we're going to go to the book of Proverbs chapter 20 in verse number 14. The book of Proverbs chapter 20 in verse number 14. The question for today is this, what does Proverbs 2014 mean? What does Proverbs 2014 mean? All right, let's read it through. The Bible says this, it is not, it is not, saith the buyer, but when he has gone his way, then he boasteth. Proverbs 20, verse number 14. It is not, it is not, saith the buyer, but when he has gone his way, then he boasteth. The first thing we need to understand before we answer this question is that Proverbs is not going to be a contextual book that we can just read the whole chapter and draw the context out. Uh, Proverbs is a character-building book, and a lot of times it's just one statement after another. It's lessons on honesty and truth, living for God, doing right, obeying and loving the Lord. So we're not going to be able to get the context out of this. However, we can just look at the verse, and this is what's being said. The person is obviously buying something from someone, and this is what he says. It is not. It is not. He's basically saying that the item that the person is selling is of no value at all. And then what happens? After he buys the item, but when he has gone his way, then he boasteth. This is what happens. The man, woman, boy, or girl is trying to purchase an item from an individual. And what they do is they talk bad about the item to the individual and tell them everything that's wrong with it, how it's not really worth anything, and how if they will, they can take just a small percentage of the money that the, the seller is wanting, and then they'll take the item off their hands because really it's nothing but a piece of junk anyhow. And then as soon as they're gone, they walk up to the next person and say, look at what I got this deal for. I bought this thing for next to nothing. The person didn't even know what they had. Remember, Proverbs is a character-building book. And as Christians, we're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to talk down a product and then beat the person out of what they've got for a lesser price and then go around and talk about what a good deal we've got. It would be much more... Christ-like to tell the person, look, I realize that the item you got is worth what you're offering for it, but if there's any way that you could take maybe half the price, then I'd be more than willing to give you the money that you're wanting for the item, but I, I don't have full price money. And then when you leave, say, hey, this person sold me the item at half price because I was honest with them. It's very important to be an honest, truthful person in the Christian life and not go around beating people out of money and out of items and out of things and then boasting about how you did it. 
because not only does that mar the person you bought it from, but it mars the person you're telling it to because they realize that your testimony is that of being a con man instead of a Christian. I want to thank you again for joining us. And until we meet again, try to keep your sword sharp. The only way that you can do that is by sharpening it. And I want to tell you thank you for the questions. And if you have any more, you can submit those there to us by email. And I want to say thank you again for everything. And Godspeed to the brethren.